Welcome to another episode of Talking Underwater. I'm Bob Crossan, Editorial Director for the Endeavor Business Media Water Group. The U.S. EPA released its annual PFAS progress report on December 14th with a handful of listed accomplishments. Those accomplishments include proposing the PFAS MCL, proposing the PFAS chemicals be added as hazardous substances under CERCLA, which is commonly known as Superfund, distributing $1 billion in funding for PFAS projects, and adding new toxic release inventory related to PFAS. These accomplishments, the agency said, has shown that it remains committed to addressing the family of man-made chemicals in U.S. waterways. Ahead of the report's release, I had the chance to speak directly with the U.S. EPA Assistant Administrator to the Office of Water, Radhika Fox, about the progress reports and what is on the horizon for PFAS across the entire water sector. I would also like to apologize in advance for the audio quality of this interview as I had to record it from my phone via my laptop and my cat was getting in the way so you might hear a meow or two. I apologize in advance but please trust me that the information is still very valid and it's really important for the future of the water industry. So without further ado, let's jump right into that interview. first question that I had is I saw that you have the EPA Council of PFAS was in your title. I wanted to get a better understanding of that. Could you give me a quick rundown of, you know, what is that council? Who's exactly is a part of it and what its immediate and long-term goals are? Um, absolutely, Bob. Um, so, you know, Administrator Regan, one of the first actions he took when he became administrator was to establish um, the PFAS Executive Council. And um, you know, the thinking behind it is there was really a good work happening to address the presence of PFAS in our air, our land, and our water that was happening all across the agency. But if we came together and thought in a more holistic way about how we protect um, public health from PFAS, that we would get farther and we would get and, and we would do it much faster. And so that was really the genesis and. The administrator also recognized that there was incredible work happening on the regulatory and investment front from, from headquarters, but that also so many of the challenges of PFAS really are managed um, through our EPA region. And, and, and so the council brings together leadership from across all of the uh, national program offices, from the Office of Air and Radiation, the Office of Chemical Safety, Pollution Prevention, Land and Emergency Management, et cetera, as well as our EPA regional leadership um, to drive progress together. One of the um, signature achievements of the PFAS Executive Council is that about two years ago, we um, developed the first ever uh, PFAS strategic roadmap. And it laid out our framework for how the agency was going to tackle forever chemicals. And it really falls into three broad areas. One is that we've got to build the research foundation. We need to understand the science uh, of the exposure pathways of PFAS. So we've been investing in the science. Mm -hmm. And then we have to restrict PFAS. We've got to turn the tap off on PFAS. And so we're using a range of, chemi uh, of statutory authority uh, to, to, again, turn the tap off on PFAS. And then we've got to remediate. We know that there are too many communities that are suffering from PFAS contamination, and we've got to uh, double down on remediation efforts to protect their health. 
Yeah. Well, that's a good uh, lead into one of the next questions I had, which was the UCMR5 data. Um, are there any inferences that you are seeing at EPA as it relates to that data and the 29 PFAS compounds that you're monitoring? Um, absolutely. So, um, you know, we have uh, gotten the first two um, data summaries, you know, from a series of reporting that water systems will do. Um, and, you know, again, the, the, the results are preliminary because we've only gotten two rounds of information. Mm-hmm. Um, we will, of course, be posting them quarterly um, on our website. Um, but the, the presence uh, and the prevalence of, of PFAS that from that early monitoring information is very similar to and tracks um, what we have seen from other studies and from um, from some of the um, considerations that we even included in our PFAS drinking water proposal uh, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say, um, you know, it, it's going to be a real game changer. Um, the having all of that UCMR data, it's really going to support. Uh, local water agencies to, um, you know, understand what's happening with their drinking water sources, to plan, um, and to frankly, you know, if they are seeing a, a, a presence of PFAS, um, you know, given the historic resources we have through the bipartisan infrastructure law uh, for PFAS and other emerging contaminants, you know, now is the moment to also, you know, get in those uh, applications to the state revolving fund to access some of those resources to invest in um, the treatment technologies, which are all eligible uses of the bipartisan infrastructure law resources. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the drinking water regulations. Obviously, you had the MCL earlier this year, um, got some feedback and everything like that. What What is the status of things right now? And what are you anticipating when it comes to the final release of the MCL? Yes. So we are very appreciative of um, really the whole ecosystem of water stakeholders that provided such um, important feedback on that um, drinking water proposal um, we you know really worked hard to you know analyze that feedback um, and uh, we are currently in interagency review with the um, with the drinking water uh, MCL uh, and we are looking to uh, have a final um, rule early in 2024 all right um, I had two more questions. One was relating to the wastewater side of things. I know my understanding is that there's a, working toward a risk assessment of PFAS and biosolids and wastewater systems and kind of that stream of things as well. Do you have any updates that you can share on that? Or do, do we have a timeline of when we can anticipate to see any regulatory updates or ideas or public comments on things? Yeah, so we are, um, you know, currently on track to have that risk assessment completed and by the end of 2024, which was a commitment that we did make in our PFAS strategic roadmap. Um, but in addition to that, we have been doing a lot of work under the leadership of Zach Schaefer, who's a senior advisor here in the Office of Water. We've been doing a lot of work um, on uh, the issue of biosolids. Uh, earlier this year, uh, we worked very collaboratively with uh, ECOS, uh, the Environmental Council of the States, and NASDA, which is the Association of the um, State Agricultural Secretaries, um, on a on a joint uh, principles, right? Because we know this is a very 
top of mind issue um, in some states. So we've developed um, a set of joint principles around uh, safe and sustainable uh, biosolids uh, management as it relates to PFAS. Um, in addition to that, we're doing a lot of uh, work uh, with, with our federal family partners, including USDA, to really understand um, FDA, uh, to, to really understand these issues. Where can we you know, make progress together? Um, so a lot of good activity um, happening on around biosolids as it relates to PFAS. Yeah, that's great to hear. I know that that's a, a question mark for a lot of those wastewater systems out there. So I think they're eager to see that. And I figured that with the use with the uh, primary drinking water regulation, that that would kind of inform things as well. But the last question I had was more on the stormwater side of things. Obviously, stormwater and wastewater and clean water, drink, everything's all connected at the end of the day. Um, what considerations is EPA making when it comes to PFAS and stormwater runoff? whether agricultural or industrial, um, how, you, how are you approaching that from EPA's perspective? Well, th this is the whole reason that we have a strategic roadmap and that we are working um, with all of the offices in EPA to tackle this issue. We know, you know, one thing is clear, that Americans don't have to choose between clear air, clean land, and clean water, uh, or a prosperous, vibrant, and secure nation. We can have both of those things, and um, you know, and, and that's why the EPA is, you know, really working to protect public health, but also catalyzing research and innovation, um, or to help understand and drive PFAS solutions. We're utilizing all of our statutory authorities. Um, this work is helping fuel uh, new markets and jobs, and of course, because of the historic uh, bipartisan infrastructure law funding secured by President Biden, we're also um, putting real dollars, billions of dollars on the table um, to, to help um, make these treatment solutions available for all people in this country. Well, thanks so much, Radhika. I really appreciate your time. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share about the PFAS progress report that we didn't go over? No, just, um, just thank you so much for, for your time, Bob. Of course. Thank you to the EPA Office of Water and to Radhika Fox for taking the time to speak with me about all these different issues relating to PFAS across the water sector, whether it's drinking water or wastewater or the future of storm water as it relates to PFAS. All of this is really important, and we know that there has to be a holistic approach to handling this and the fact that there's multiple agency families within the entire U.S. government all working toward one goal is giving us a lot of insight into how important this is for not just the EPA Office of Water, but for the presidential administration and for the U.S. government as a whole. If you would like to get some more information on these particular issues, we have an article on Waterworld diving into all of the drinking water elements and achievements that are listed in that PFAS progress report with quotes from Radhika Fox, AWWA, and Mike McGill from WaterPIO. We also have an article on Wastewater Digest covering the entire wastewater side of things, whether it was the PFAS and biosolids risk assessments or the proposal for CERCLA, of which there's another article on our website that is linked in that report. You can check out all of that in our show notes. We have links to both articles, and you can read more and get more informed on these issues. And with that, don't forget to like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can also reach us at talkingunderwater at endeavorb2b.com to share your thoughts. 
And don't forget to follow us on X at TUW Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.